What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. First episode of the offseason for us. We're still trying to figure out what our season length is going to be for y'all. You guys, you know, we had a kind of schedule, but then when you start a podcast after the season, you kind of have to kind of have to uh, stay on your toes. So we'll keep you all updated as to how many, uh, you know, how many episodes we're going to do for this season. But we're still going to bring you a lot of content throughout this offseason. It probably won't be as aggressive as last year because for anyone who listens to our podcast, you know, we started – pretty much right when all the trauma was starting for Carolina. So we had a lot to talk about, but don't worry. We're not going to get, we won't get bored yet. We're going to bring all a lot to talk about. So starting off really quickly, I mean, what did y'all think about super wildcard weekend? You know, we still have about two games left as we're recording right now, but I'm loving, I'm loving three games of football each day. That was pretty nice for me. The extra team was real good. I wasn't sure about it going into the year adding the seventh, but three games, three games each day. I can dig it. I can lie. I can dig it. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, you know, just definitely with, you know, we've seen through COVID and just so many different parts of just different ways that we can, that we adjust things to make them better throughout this time. But things that we might consider keeping like this extra playoff team, you know, I'm liking it a lot. Two days of, you know, three games of football, which is, you know, a lot of fun, been, been some good games so far. I'm sure we'll get into it. You know, I love seeing Taylor Heineke and uh, Washington fight till the very end there. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, great weekend of games for sure. I think what it proved is, and, and and Tyler, you hit it right on the head there. I mean, you know, having that extra team and um, listen, you show up and play football on Sunday. I mean, that Tampa Washington game was fun to watch, and Heineke. I mean, <laughs> God bless him. I mean, the, the boy balled out, and um, but you know, to have those teams and um, what we're seeing is the, the game that surprised me the most really so far has been Seattle and 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 the Rams. Um, that was just a. It was, it, it, it was no fun to watch. I'm sorry. I could have told you that was going to be a snoozer from the minute it yeah. happened. Yeah. And I could have told you that. It was just so you know, told me John Wolford was the quarterback. I, yeah. I, yeah. Then, I mean, when John Wolford's getting in there, you know, you're not going to get something off the grade. I mean, in the AFC side, I mean, the AFC side, listen, you got seven teams, any of them could go to the Super Bowl. I think seven teams where any of them could have played, you know, and I mean, granted, it was a bad day for my boys. And the gist is, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the day, listen, the Ravens are only going to score 20. And we would lose to them, I, you know. Um, it, it's you know, I, I would have gone no way. Um, but it, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I agree with every, everything you guys have said. That extra team um, and three three games each day uh, that's pretty stout. Because it's interesting, you see it from both sides when you have the AFC and NFC. Like that was the biggest thing about that you know playoff spot that extra one is that you're. I mean. With the Bills, like it, it paid off because it was weird seeing the Bills having to fight on the first week. Like they did not, they deserve those were one of those teams that deserved to have, you know, a bye. But they're playing in what was a really, really good playoff team in the in the Colts. I mean, you could not count them out that you know for that game. Their defense played out of their minds, and the Bills, you know, had some of their issues. But that was not a bad seventh seed by any means. But then you have the flip side where you have the Saints, you know, playing the Bears. And uh, I mean, right now, well, last I checked, it was seven to three. I mean, that's not, you know. A blowout by any means, but I can't imagine that game was, you know, is is super fun to watch right now. I'm sorry, Jeff, I could have told you that's that that Seahawks Rams game was going to be a snoozer from the hey, game. Will through an interception though. So oh, beautiful. We love that. That's <laughs> yeah, all we need to see. We love that. That's amazing. I'm just so like you get because that's what they're worried about. You know, those matchups in that two to seven game. Um, but I think it paid off I, either side. I mean, you can see like different angles of it because that Bills Colts game was probably the most exciting game of the night for the most. I mean, up until the very end there, which I don't know why you don't put you know Jacoby Brissett in there at the last play. I don't. I mean, Philip yeah. doesn't have the arm strength to get that far. The one, the one thing I'm gonna tell you real quick is, hey, yeah, exactly. Why Jacoby Brissett? But the NFL needs to get their officiating together. I have oh, no. Yeah. We could talk about that play in the Bills Colts game. Yeah, where I, how is that not a fumble? And had the Bills lost that game, 
Oh, and you go back. Those mafia would have burnt down Indianapolis. <laughs> they would have all driven to Indianapolis and burnt the city to the ground. Yeah, that would have been. I don't know if y'all all saw it. I mean, but oh, we saw, yeah. How's it, how's it not? A, I don't understand it. No, there was, and that there's, and that, that's weird with like the playoffs. Like, I mean, honestly, it, it's because it's the playoffs. Like AJ Brown earlier today, not gonna lie, he got away with a little bit of OPI. I mean, they were fight, they were both fighting each other, and they were getting off the ball. But like in a regular season game, I could see that being called. I mean, we saw it was weird this year, especially because for whatever reason they decided to tell the NFL Ref Association to throw less flags because of COVID. I don't understand the the correlation there. I guess they just wanted to see more, you know, exciting plays to get people to tune in. But like people were going to watch anyway. I can tell you that right now. It's co- like we were jonesing for football. So people would have watched regardless. That's why you had, you know, people, as many people still tuned into the Seahawks Rams game yesterday. Right. That was, that was the, the most boring 30 to 20 game I've ever seen in my life. There was like, I don't yeah. know where the points came from. Um, but you're right, Jeff. The, the 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 play call, or excuse me, the you know the refing was very wishy-washy throughout everybody. Like there were so many, and I don't know what happened with that Colts play. But you're very you're really right. Um, I mean, I don't know how they, I don't know what they were looking at to see that call. That I will never understand the refs and why they were taking so long too. Like right. there was a couple, there was a couple challenges this week. They were taking forever. Yeah, but you know, I, I, just just a random point. You know, for everybody that talks down on teams that get in under five hundred. If I look at the last three teams that have gotten in, they've all either won a game or took their team to the brink. So for you to say the records, like those records are out the window when you start playing football. I mean, you, you, we watched Taylor Heineke last night do what he did. He got in there. Look, when when the game is on the line, who's going to make plays? He played his butt off for the, like, for the majority of that game. I mean, aside from an interception early, they probably have a chance to win that game late. And that, and that interception wasn't even his fault, really. I mean, that was a tip ball of the line of scrimmage. I think people are very quick to fit. I was waiting for the announcers. The announcers made it sound like he was still in school when this was all going on. Like, no, he's played football before in the NFL. People are very quick to forget how well he was doing before he got injured those last two games of, of 2017. Because I believe it was Kyle that came in first. And then we yeah. brought in Taylor, if I'm not mistaken. And and then when Taylor went down and then they brought Kyle back in, it was, I mean, Taylor, he's incredibly accurate. And some of those throws he was making on the sidelines to Chris Sims Jr. Or excuse me, not one of the, whatever Sims Jr.'s first name is. I don't remember. Yeah. One of them is Chris Sims. And I think the other one's Chris is Sims Jr. I never remember their names. But he was making some dimes on the corner, like onto that, to those fro- like throws. He was playing out of his mind. And I got to tell you, I can't imagine there aren't a handful of teams that aren't looking for a quarterback and looking at Heineke the way he was playing last night. Oh yeah, for somebody, somebody's gonna take a chance on him. Like it's free agency time. Everybody wants to be the smartest guy in the room, figure out who they can who they can steal for for a nice cheap deal. Somebody's looking at Tanner Hockey and thinking, okay, we can bring him in to, to compete for a spot at the at the least. And I was loving that Tyler talk about his scrambling ability. You gotta say you gotta have learned some of that from Cam. Oh yeah, he's definitely taking that away from the from Cam too. But what took what got my attention from Taylor was just how hard he played. Like uh, we talked about last week on the podcast of the you know the ideology behind the keep pounding um, our slogan, and you know Taylor, he fulfills that in every sense of the word, just like a lot of other Panthers players that have came through here. And you, you could really see that last night. And it was just awesome to see him, you know, play for Ron, play for uh, Washington, who I'm sure we were all rooting heavily for it last night. And it just it was, and, you know. He was just making plays, just playing so hard. He he exhausted to the end of the game, and it was it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, there are very few quarterbacks of his stature that will make plays like that diving in. So I mean, he dove from like three, four yards right. out. I didn't, know, yes. I didn't know how small he. What I guess is he. I mean, like Brady went up to like he finally got a hold of Brady. Brady was like walking around. And, I was really pissed at Brady. I was like, Brady, turn around. I mean, Brady. As soon as you won that game, go to him immediately. Find that kid and say congrats because he balled out. But they were shaking hands, and I'm like. Is Heineke that small? 
I'm like, what is he, five? Yeah. I don't I mean, I know he's taller than that, but I'm like, you look like this small old guy, but I he's a small dude. I know, and the one part was he kept getting beat and beat and beat. And there was one point, I guess, I don't even know who the other guy was, Scott. Whatever the yeah, whoever number six was, uh, Steven oh, yeah. Montez, yeah. What was it? Yeah, Steven Montez, yeah. Yeah, there you go. He yeah. was warming up, and then nope, yep, nope. He was like, nope, I'm playing. Um, yeah. God bless him. Yeah, I think it was, and it's, I think it's funny that the syndrome still continues outside of the Panthers organization, where you have a quarterback playing really, really well, but none of his receivers will catch the ball. I think like three, the Redskins had like, or excuse me, I keep doing that. The football team had like yeah. three or four, like that first that first play where Ty, like Taylor bombed it out like 30 yards and Sims had it wide open and just, I mean, actually he put it a little bit in front of him, but like it hit him right in the hands. And then there was a couple of receivers, like even Terry dropped a pass. And Terry very, yeah. very rarely drops passes. Yeah. They just all, every, every catch that was made by Washington last night looked like a struggle. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm thinking everything is, like, they're juggling it. It's always, it's always a double catch. Instead of they not just snagging it and tugging it in. I mean, yeah, even that, that one touchdown to Sims, they almost were like, oh, he might not have caught that. And I'm so glad that, you know, they kept it going because that's been like – there's been a bunch of those this week. I'm like, oh, they're going to say he didn't catch it. And it's, it's just fun to watch playoff football. I mean, I, yesterday, like I, the, the first and the last game were really good. The, the 4 o'clock game seemed like it went on forever. And I was really just waiting for it to – really waiting for it to get done. I'm excited to see the night game tonight, you know, if we finish around the time it starts because that I think, you know – I think the Steelers are gonna have a run for their money. I'd love. I'm waiting to see how what playoff Baker is like. I'm. I'm. I'm ready. You know, you know who I'm. You know who I'm rooting for. We know who you're rooting for. Come on, Browns. Um, say, Jeff, you. I mean, you must at least be happy, you know, that Brady even at least like went to go say hi to Heineke, especially after what the page or the Ravens did to the Titans earlier today. I don't know if y'all caught the end of that game, but it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty, listen, pretty gruesome. Listen, at, at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, they had every right to do it. Um. You know, and uh, you know, you know, and and that's fine. Uh, I'm surprised they got flagged. I, I really was surprised they kind of got flagged um, for that. But you know what? That that rivalry. Um, that's one of the people don't, realize, people don't realize how old that rivalry goes back to. Goes back a long, long, long way, and they don't like each other. They never have. They never will. And so, um, you know, and, and the best part about the playoffs, I don't care who you root for, whatever. It's different from the season because every play matters every we had a fourth and two with however much minutes you don't punt you got derrick henry if you can't get two yards in three plays you know um but I, it, what makes it so exciting and um i did take it i'm, I'm okay um, if you guys want to know i'm okay um you're here you're here so that's about as much as i was expecting hey listen you know it is what it is and um you know but every play matters every play matters and and the best part about it is I don't want to hear it like Shanti said. Don't I don't want to hear any more people talking about seven and nine teams, six and ten teams. Play ball and um, you know, and, and go out there. And I think Washington, um, and by the way, just real quick, I love Washington football team. I'm starting to like their uniforms. I kind of yeah, like the, I like the whole vibe. So anyway, but yeah, um, it, you know, it is what it is, and on we go. I just was wondering, I mean, for the fact that them did not even, you know, shake hands with any of the players after the game. I mean, Lamar and they, they all ran to the locker room, right? I mean, 30 seconds or so on the clock, hey, and they man. were running to the locker room. That's that's a lot. I don't know. You Hey, but you need that. You need – there has to be a level of hatred in the league. You got to have – That's fair. Have a robbery. Like, the Steelers and the, and the Baltimore robbery hasn't been – it hasn't really been the same probably for the last 10 years. We need a new robbery that's going to take place. I mean, at what point it was Carolina and Seattle. That existed there for a minute, and that's that's not a, that's not existing anymore. So you need you need everybody to have rivals. You need a little bit of hatred. 
again, like like Jeff said, I mean, I mean, hats off to Jeff because I mean, like, I know a lot of fans would be upset about that happening at the end of the game. But again, it's football, man. It's like, look, this is great for the league to have teams compete this hard and really not like each other. It's it's great to have like a rift in the league as far as teams just not liking each other and just playing, just going all out. Well, there's just real quick. I mean, there from when when um Brian Billick was the head coach. And after one of the games, he like was cussing about the Titans or whatever. Eddie George and Ray Lewis. Um, I mean, you know, Steve McNair and, and going against that defense. I mean, it can go on and on. And um, I'm just happy I got a team that can at least now go to the playoffs. I say three years ago, he would be, I mean, the fact he would be just itching to even get close to the playoffs, let alone um, be upset when he loses in the first round. He would just be happy to make it to the first round. So, but, um, but going off what Jeff said, no, the Washington football team, I mean, that was something we do need to touch on that because what it's going to seem like it was more likely. I mean, TD didn't even play. He was out the game, which kind of sucked. Um, but that's looking like it's probably going to be the end of his career. And we spoke about it a little last week, but just, you know, talking. I mean, and just also about R- Rivera. I mean, to do what he did and to have the year that he had and to still make the playoffs, you know, that's just – those are two of the most, you know, hard. The, the, they have the biggest hearts of anyone I've ever known, and they have the, they're the hardest working people I think I've ever had, had the pleasure of watching, you know, in their professional careers. So it, uh, whenever, you know, I don't know what the future is for Rivera. I, I we know what the future is for TD, but it's going to be, you know, definitely a blow when we when we don't get to see them every week. Yeah, yeah. It's it, I mean, it's it's been great watching what they've done for the city of Charlotte, watching what they've done in their career and their respective careers. Obviously, like we talked, we talked, like you said, we we talked about how much TD meant to the to the Charlotte area and to this team. So, like I said, man, I, I'm gonna be sad to watch him go. One one of the one of the players that I follow from the time I started watching football, he got drafted in 05. That's right, really when I really started understanding the game. So for me, it's gonna be hard to see him leave. But I mean, I mean, it's been a hell of a career. Boy, Tyler, yeah. Yeah, it's just the changing of the tide, you know, across the league. You know, Ron Rivera comes in to Washington, which is just a mess before the season, if we remember. And, you know, ownership, it's – and, you know, we know it's not great there. And it just it was just a mess that Rivera stepped in willingly, you know, took it head on, you know, despite some adversity in his life, we know. And we we're – you know, he's pushing through that on the side too, which is awesome. And he really turned that team around and got them into the playoffs, you know, and they fought till the very end there against the, you know, the Tampa Bay. So it's been awesome to watch him and, um, you know, we'll see, you know, what's next for Rivera, but TD leaving too, um, you know, it, it, it would have been cool to see him, you know, play up to the very end, but, you know, I think his time has definitely come and he's really pushed it uh, to the limit here, but, you know, can't thank him enough for everything he's done for Carolina and Charlotte. And, you know, it's, it's been great to watch him play and, you know, hopefully he gets into the hall of fame at some point. Two quick things for, for Ron Rivera to change the culture in Washington, DC um, in a year, in a season, uh, let's be real in a season. And it was a crap show um, to do that and, 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 and battle cancer um, and just bring that all together. Um, Kudos to him, and, and I mean, and, and and I mean, he's changed the culture. He he has a, a group of guys who believe they can win with somebody like Taylor Heineke, um, who who went out and balled out and gave Tampa Bay a run for their money. Um, um, as for TD, um, just class act. Um, and if he's if he never takes another snap, um, I will sit here and say, as somebody who's watched the NFL for as many years as I've had, um, not many have played the game, um better and not many have played the game with the class in which he played it. Um, if that makes sense. Um, linebackers get dirt. And here's the thing about Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis. You talk about linebackers and you talk about this mean, tough, ugly, you know what I'm getting at, that nasty kind of attitude. They played solid fundamental football. And, you know, if I got to teach a kid how to tackle, um, I'm showing them, you know, TD and Luke Keekley. Um, so, so um, 
it, it'd be tough to see him not on the, or at least see TD not there. And whatever happens with Ron, our prayers and thoughts still with him as he battles. But, um, you know, God bless both of them. They changed, uh, they changed the team around. Definitely. So now, you know, moving on to the uh, the future of the Panthers organization, obviously some of the, one of the bigger storylines this week has been the future of Joe Brady for whatever reason, you know, I mean, he's still out the gate as one of the top head coach, head coaching candidates in the NFL right now for, you know, whatever reason, if you choose to believe it or not. But in the last week, uh, Joe Brady has had multiple interviews this last week. Um, the most recently with uh, the Jets, he also interviewed with the Texans, the Falcons and the Chargers, um, both, you know, the, the Chargers let their Anthony Lynn go after what was it? Four years, I think. Um, and then the Texans as well, you know, both all those teams looking at different coaching changes. So, I mean, y'all, if you've listened to last week's under know what our thoughts are on Joe Brady as a head coach, but Shantis, you know, give him a little bit of recap as to, you know, and just reaction as to the fact that he actually is getting these interviews. Yeah. So basically how we've all felt this year that we just felt that Joe Brady needed another year as an offensive coordinator, kind of really get a grasp of the NFL game. We thought he brought in good things, but just not ready yet to take over the reins as a, as a full-time head coach. And so far from what I've seen, if, if I look at the team that he's interviewed with, and surprisingly enough, I, I actually like him with the Jets more than anyone. If, if, I mean, obviously Atlanta has the talent they have there, but if I look at the Jets, that's, that's a situation where it's clean slate. There there are no expectations. There are no cornerstone pieces that you have to keep or have to hold you know, ties to. You have a chance. You have a, you have a second overall pick, and you have a 27th overall pick from the Jamal Adams trade. So that's a great way for you to – Start that. Start your uh, start your tenure there. Get your quarterback and go also pick up another first rounder. I don't know who will be there, or who you'll be looking at, but with the amount of draft picks that they have in New York, that'd be a great way to start off and just build your team through this through this draft right here. I mean, he should know from this past from this past year's draft that that first draft class you have is going to be very important as to how your next three to four seasons go and if you'll still have a job. So. I think give I think for the Jets giving him an opportunity that would be great. I, I mean, uh, has he so he's interviewed with Houston as well. Obviously, you know, you, you he would probably love to get a chance to work with Deshaun Watson, but right now it's just it doesn't really seem like that's gonna happen. It's not Deshaun's probably on his way out. And Atlanta, of course, having to deal with the fact that you have you're gonna have a third you're gonna have a uh, a third pick and just trying to figure out what you're gonna do at quarterback, honestly. So I mean, from that point, I mean, I there are some good things. Some good teams out there for him. I still don't think he's ready, but I think the Jets overall may be his best bet as far as taking over a head coaching job and having success early on. No, yeah, definitely. I, I believe that as well. I'm actually, I mean, I have nothing about, but I'll get to that in a minute. Todd, do you think people are still? I mean, you. I mean, if you look at the stats for this year. We were there was we averaged 349 and a half yards per game. That was 21st in the NFL, and then averaged 21.9 points per game. That was 24th in the NFL. You think people are just putting a lot of emphasis at his, at his, on his performance at LSU? That's where this is all coming from? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a little bit of all that. You know, th this season was definitely a learning curve, like we talked about in his first year in the league. But, you know, we, we, we always – towards the end of the year, we started, you know, to get be harder on Teddy. And, um, you know, we, we didn't really see that early in the year. And I think a lot of that was to Joe Brady playing to Teddy's strengths. And, you know, statistically, our offense was good on paper from our personal stats um, for our players. So, you know, he got he got that out of them. And then, you know, like you said, at LSU, he was also, you know, you know praised as one of the best young coaches in the league. And, um, you know, he has, you know, you know, Coach O's endorsing him, Matt Rule. Uh, he was, uh, you know, Sean Payne in New Orleans. So he has all these major head coaches endorsing him around his name. Uh, so he has that going for him. And also, you know, with Brady, uh, these teams are – they're looking for a head coach now, but and they're going to hire one. So they're not going to be looking for a head coach next year, even if they miss on him. So, 
Uh, you know, they may may want somebody like Joe Brady, and even though he may not be ready after this year of calling plays, you'd rather be a year too early on Brady than a year too late because if he, next year if you wait, he might be you know the top, the for sure top name. So by being a year early, I like what Sean T said about the Jets. You know, you know, there's no expectations there. He can come in and learn with a rookie quarterback, and he'll he'll have the choice of draft picks of who he wants to help um, his offense with. So uh, that's the case with uh, with a uh, you know Joe Brady. I, I personally like. Uh, for the Chargers, that would be interesting if they brought him in there because, you know, Justin Herbert, a young guy, and you, you got to get that offense going. You you only have this window on uh, Justin Herbert for the rookie contract for so long. you got to make the most of it. So by bringing in someone like Joe Brady as opposed to a defensive-minded, uh, you know, head coach, it, it, that could pay off big for them if he worked out. That's what I was going to say because, I mean, you know, Herbert hasn't gotten that, hasn't really been that much molded yet just in one year. And, I mean, they've got they've got weapons there. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. They've got, you know, and Hunter Henry when he's, you know, healthy. I mean, they've got weapons out there. So that could be, you know, I know that – I'd imagine that's probably where he wants to go the most. I'm hoping, you know, I, I'm still hoping and praying BNME gets a job before he does. I still will – I'll be I'll be highly upset if, if, if Brady gets hired before BNME does because we'll know we'll, – we'll know why, the, why he was hired. Well, let me break. Let, I, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> let me, let, you know, in, in, in two things. A, as Panther fans, do you want to see Joe Brady go? Number one. Um, I mean, and and, and that's number one. And 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 you know, you're trying to start up. You know, you're trying to build a new culture with Matt Rule and stuff. And all of a sudden, the OC is going to leave after year one. Um, and we'll talk about something a little bit later, and I'll bring it up a little bit later. But, um, you know, um, I, I I don't get it. I mean, yeah, they did. He did some good things. But you're, I, I just, and maybe it's the college stuff from LSU. But listen, there are better candidates out there. There is, there is Eric Enemy who, you know, and here's, let me go back to the Chargers for just a second. I don't, Anthony Lynn was a good coach. He yeah. had a rookie, see, you he got, he got, he had a rookie quarterback, and they were, they were progressing. Um, you know, I think a head coach and a rookie quarterback need a couple years. You got to give them a look. The, 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 the um, the Titans ruined Mariota. I mean, you know, and I, I'm sorry, I go there. Three coaches, no, four coaches, three years, and four or five OCs. You, you can't do that to these players. So as GM that, figure it out and owners figure it out, but, you know, Eric Bieniemy, you know, Arthur Smith. Look, Arthur Smith's now been, the, you know, the OC for the Titans now for three years. Yeah. And look at what they've done. And I know he's on some people's list. However, I've, I've, I've seen him dropping a number of names and stuff now, and I hope he doesn't go anywhere, to be honest with you. But, I, listen, Brady – I, he wouldn't be my first choice to coach, no. And see, I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff, because that's what I was going to say too. If you look at this teams, if you look at arguably, I mean, you can argue about their, you know, their actual postseason success, but who's been, I mean, other than the NFC, who's been the most consistent playoff team in the last almost decade? Who's made the playoffs oh. year in and year out, no matter no matter what, really? In the NFC, in the it's NFC, Seattle or Green Bay? Seattle. Yeah. Or Green Bay. Look at Seattle. Look at the they have had what the same GM and the same head coach and arguably the same off the coordinator staff since 2010 if not earlier and they've not changed and so jeff i was happy you brought it up because you are the biggest proponent of you have to have consistency if we're trying to bring in it depends on the on the, the way we're trying to go with this team if we want to bring in a rookie coach right a rookie head a rookie quarterback excuse me i mean if you're bringing in the rookie quarterback this year and then Bra like brady's gone before they even meet that's not as much damage but for the for the just the the mode of the team and trying to get them all together you got to keep you got to show some consistency because every time you make in my mind every time you make a, a coaching change you're setting yourself back another six months or so for success because it That's takes just that. 
Yeah, because it takes that much longer to get. You got to. You're putting in a whole new offense in the system. You're putting all new play calls. Like especially because especially the way the NFL goes right now, the head coaches are not the ones who are calling the plays that much, and I don't think they should be. Jeff will tell you that too, and that's why Ron got fired in my mind. When the head coaches start calling coordinator plays, that's when the team starts to fail. That's not the job they were meant to bring in. They were meant to bring in for. That's what happened with Ron. It's what's happening. What happened this year with Vrabel. That's why you saw such a big, ter- you know, deterioration of their defense this year. But I will say I like what I like what uh, Tyler said about personal, you know, statistics. And I want to ask about that. You know, obviously we talked about it last week. We had four different players all reach the thousand yards in total mark. Is that coming out of their individual talents? Is that coming out of Brady's play calling? Is that coming out of, you know, last but certainly least Teddy facilitating those plays? Where are we putting, you know, where are we where are we attributing that to? Is that more so on them? More so on what the play? Like, I want to hear what y'all think about that. Yeah, so um, to get the run game going like Oh yeah, uh, to get the run game going like that with Mike Davis, uh, you know, props to you know Joe Brady and props to everyone else on our offense. But you know, we're not we're not too run heavy, so we're able to throw the ball too. So that the Mike Davis thing is pretty impressive. You know, he he showed that he is a talented player. Um, for Joe Brady, getting Curtis Samuel on track again this year, when you know he's always that he was always that projection we talked about in the offseason. He's always that projection his whole career. When are we waiting for him to you know do something? And I think by the end of the year, we can all agree that Curtis, we want him back if we can't for the right. Price. Price. So, you know, he really developed a role. Uh, you took DJ Moore and, you know, he, he's, he was been great on his own before that, um, before Joe Brady came. And, and then with Robbie Anderson, who's kind of his, his career was up in question as, as, after he le- left New York, uh, he comes in here and we, you know, made him the man. So, you know, I think, I think a combination of talent and, you know, Brady and the culture in uh, Carolina all kind of amounts to it for sure. Let- let, let me interject real quick there because I think uh, Tyler just spoke something that we didn't really kind of even think about. And I know we were hard on Brady for the majority of this year, but if you look at it, I mean, that was a huge thing we were talking about in the offseason. We were waiting for Curtis to finally show up and show out. And the last three, you know, the last offensive coordinators we had had never been able to facilitate that. Brady went out of his way going, look, Curtis, you know, with McCaffrey being gone, you're going to play running back. We're going to find ways to get you the ball out of the ordinary. And so, I mean, like we said with DJ, we were waiting for him to kind of hit that. Sh- I mean, we had two receivers in the realm of top 10 receivers this year. And you can say all you want about their talent, but you also have to help develop that talent. We know, you know, Robbie was kind of in question. So I think that's something we need to look at and give Brady a bit more credit for that. He was able to help these players get into their own and the players just got a little more crazy than Brady did. So that's, that's something there where he, we finally saw Curtis kind of reach that potential that we know he has. Yes. And I mean, for, for the, for the majority of the players that we named, Joe Brady definitely helped because I mean obviously Mike Davis that he couldn't even sustain a starting job in this league, much less to do what he did this year at any point in his career leading up to Carolina. Robbie Anderson's been about around that mark. He's I think this may have been his first thousand yard season, if I'm not mistaken. But he's always been around that nine hundred yard mark. So I mean he just got the extra boost. Curtis, again, Curtis was definitely a big product of Joe Brady and what he was able to accomplish. But DJ Moore has just been a guy that's just he does this with everybody. I think Man. DJ Moore is start. I think I think one thing I saw from DJ Moore this year was that okay, this guy is, is a constant. He's going to make plays. He's going to be available, and, and, and he's 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 going to be no matter what's going wrong. And we saw a lot of times we saw like when Ty, when Ty, we just throw the ball up. The one guy that's going to come down with it is DJ. And and they, you know and and honestly, Curtis, you know Curtis may go wherever Joe Brady goes. Save Curtis, save Joe Brady were to go to the Jets. The Jets do need do need wide receivers. I would imagine that Joe that Curtis Samuel would be the first guy on their list of guys to call to bring over and help and help him ingratiate a new quarterback into a new system. That he's probably going to be more college like anyway. Probably possibly could be a fit down the road. 
So Jeff, let me ask you this. Um, we I just because I said it a little bit earlier, and I'm thinking about it. We I just said, you know, head coaches are not the ones that are calling these plays. And the biggest issue we had with Brady over this past year was in those clutch situations, those third downs, you know, those fourth downs, he was making bad play calls. Do you think that's not a concern for people because they don't think he's gonna be that kind of play calling head coach? Or Jeff, do you think that uh people are expecting him to be a lot more like that Sean McVay in play calling, you know, involved head coach? What kind of head coach do you think people are looking for him to be? Everybody wants the shiny new vehicle. Yeah. You know, everybody wants, yeah. you know, McVay comes onto the place. Matt LaFleur comes onto the place. Um, and it's such a fine line of who makes who. I mean, is Matt LaFleur a good head coach if he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers? You know, uh, although Sean McVay has done some magic with Jared Goff. I mean, you know, and, and I go back to everything we've been talking about. You can you can be the best head coach there is, the best OC, the best DC. Your players got to step up and make the plays. And, and I guess what I'm getting at is I'll go back to, you know, listen, um, and I'm not putting Cam and, and Tom Brady out there together or whatever, but, I mean, Josh McDaniels, is he a great OC now? I mean, everybody thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread when he had Tom Brady who made the plays. Now, all of a sudden, Josh McDaniels, where does he stand in terms of OC, people wanting him to be a head coach now? You know what I'm getting at? I mean, New England was horrible this year. Um, and so would I rather have Joe Brady over Josh McDaniels? Yeah, probably so. Um, I hope I'm making sense. But the gist is I think yeah. everybody in this NFL that we're that we've gone to where it's, you know, we've gotten away from the ground and pound as much as we have, let's throw it and let's get it out there and stuff. That that innovative mind, I think that's what people are looking at in terms of Joe Brady. Um, I just still believe you need more than a year as an OC. Uh, to prove yourself as, as do I. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, because as a Panthers fan, I mean, I'm not going to say I, I, I want him to leave and I'm not going to say I want him to stay really either. I just, I, I want that consistency for this team. And I, just, I mean, honestly, no, I'll, I'll change. I do want to see him because I want to see him. I want to see more of him. I want to see what actually he can do in that second year, given the time, given a little bit more, you know, comfort to the team and seeing what, if he can actually be this type of a, a electric play caller that we're, we expected him to be. Um, the other big issue, you know, obviously, and this is what we talk about too. You have, you know, your, your offensive coordinator, big part of this year is going to be the GM, especially with all the things going on in the air. And I'm hoping they land this GM quick so that they can make some of these trades that we wanted to make. Um, I hope that happens sooner than later, but Panthers are going all in. They're being incredibly thorough. I don't know what, you know, changed from the last time. I'm like, yeah, we'll just go with her. Anyway, we don't need to look at anybody, but now they're going mm-hmm. balls to the wall going, all right, we're going to go 11 guys. So I'll give it. So bear with me. Cause I know a couple of these have changed since last, uh, we last looked interviewed Kansas city director of football administration, Brandon Tillis bears, assistant director of player personnel, champ Kelly Colts, assistant GM at Dodds, 49ers VP of player personnel, Adam Peters, Chiefs assistant uh, AD of player personnel, Ryan Poles. Earlier in the week, they interviewed Patriots director of player personnel, Nick Casario. We all know he was obviously hired by the Texans. Um, Bills assistant GM, jo- uh, Joe Schoen, give you the Bills, you know, uh, familiarity with those front offices. Uh, Titans director of player personnel, Monty Austinfort. Uh, Jeff, I don't even know if you know that. I don't even know who that is. Um, I do. Uh, Saints assistant GM and college scouting director. They have to throw that in because, again, college scouting director, Jeff Ireland, and then Browns uh, Browns VP of uh, football operations. I don't know if I want to try that one. Uh, Kwesi <laughs> Adolfo Mensa. I, I apologize, sir, if I butchered your name like he's listening. I'm sure to he's listening. <laughs> yeah, like he's listening to this. And then, of course, and then, and then, former, and then former Giants GM Jerry Reese, who was working – 
with Matt Rule back in 2012. So Tyler, I mean, that's obviously a long list, but we'll just give us a little bit of update what you've got, you know, what you've heard from, you know, the Twitter, Twitterverse and just from any, any kind of, you know, you've got your ear to the ground. So what have you been hearing about the GM race right now? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a relationship business, so that's why the Jerry Reese is on there. That's like the worst case scenario, in my opinion. Like, if, I really hope that does not happen. Um, so my top three are going to be um, going into this was Ed Dodds, who we interviewed, Monty Austin, who we also interviewed, and then uh, Joe Shane from the Bills. Um, those three were my uh, you know top three. Um, but, you know, recently, just before recording this podcast, Ed, it came out that Ed Dodds from the Colts is uh, he's, he pulled his name out of consideration for our, from the interview, thinking that maybe he just wanted a practice interview or something. You know, sometimes that'll happen. Uh, so. So, yeah, I mean, we got we got a lot of candidates and, you know, hopefully we can bring somebody in soon because like you were talking about, we got you know, we can't trade. Yeah, the trade deadline's still in place, but like just small, small roster moves and, you know, just getting them in front of the team. And, you know, with our luck, I'm sure we'll announce our general manager tomorrow after we're done recording, just how, you know, it works with our podcast. So, uh, yep. so we'll see. Every I'm excited time. to see who it is. Eight o'clock yeah, tonight, they'll announce it. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. This well, season's going to get even worse. And here's the deal. You mentioned, you know, uh, Monty from the Titans. And, and I think what you got to look at too is take a look at the GMs from those teams. I mean, John Robinson has helped make the Titans who they are. Granted, the 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 um, there have been a couple of signings that haven't worked. <laughs> Clowney has not done what he needed to do. Vic Beasley, um, <laughs> you know, but there have been a couple. But he's built a solid football team over three or four years yeah. and done it in a way that, you know, draft picks and done it well. So I think whoever they have as examples, um, I, I've heard on, on sports radio here, a couple of people are really high on Monty. Uh, from the Titans. And um, I think he'd be a great sign. Um, and, you know, I think, like you said, you learn from the best um, solid organizations and, um, you know, I'll say that's, that's what I was going to do with Jeff. I mean, you look at the Titans front office. I mean, it sucks that Ed Dodds went out. I guess he wanted to shoot as like a practice date for him. He was like, yeah, I'll just use y'all and then know what I need to do next time. Um, Cause the Colts, I mean, they do have a great, uh, they uh, look what that front office has done in the last couple of years. Um, same with the bills. I mean, we all, we, as Panthers fans, we watch the bills a lot closer. I now know probably for the most of us, I know that's who I'm rooting for the rest of the playoffs. Um, but I know you're rooting for the Ravens. Go away, Shanties. Um, but I mean, you look at their front, you look at the, what their front office has done in the last few years. And then also as well, Chiefs ADA player personnel, Ryan Poles. That was a name that interested me as well. I think with Ed Dodd's Ed Dodd out, um, Dodd's out, I think that's another guy we can look at. I mean, you're right. There's a, a bunch of guys we don't want to step anywhere near. Um, I was, uh, Tyler, what was your look view on Ryan Poles? I wonder what, what you were thinking about him. I guess I thought he was yeah. he might be a good up there, a candidate up there. Yeah, definitely another good option. You know, I, I you know kind of forgot for a second that he was in there because you know the other day I was looking. You know, I, it's it's hard to know a lot about these guys because most of them are working behind the scenes and stuff. But you hear him rumored in the job interviews for a while, and you know I was just watching some stuff, and you know uh, I'm just gonna Quessy from the Browns. I'm not gonna try the last name or anything. No, you know, he, he's hard. you know. Andrew Barry is a general manager for the Browns, and they're and the Browns they're very you know, analytics driven and a lot of smart guys in there. So he, he's another one kind of like an Andrew Barry who would, we would kind of be going after that, but yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued with Joe Shane. I think he'd be really, you know, apt to come here after seeing the bills uh, Panthers connection that we have, and maybe he would come back, you know, to Carolina and, uh, you know, they've had a lot of success there after they've kind of followed the R model there in Buffalo with, you know, they, they got the quarterback of Josh Allen and they got the linebacker with Tremaine Edmonds. So, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. That's probably the one I'd be most interested to see is uh, Joe Shane from the Bills. And, Tyler, you said, you know, following all our mold, but they went up a step further. They actually, you know, got Josh Allen weapons and got him, you know, consistent defensive backs. So they went a step further. But the one thing I will say about that, you look at all of these front offices and think about the moves these teams have made. For better or worse, I mean, you could say Bills this year made one of the best free agency or one of the best, you know, 
moves for a roster this entire year and getting Stephon Diggs. Look how much that elevated that team. You look at the Titans, and I mean, obviously Jeff said some of them didn't pay off, but a lot of them, I mean, their draft picks, other than their most recent one, the last three years have been just knock out of the park. Same with the Colts. Their draft picks have been insane. 49ers have made a lot of big moves. So what I like, what I'm seeing from each of these front offices that I haven't seen from the Panthers since in, in, in decades is that, you know, we are very hesitant to make moves in the free agency. I said it a couple weeks back, I'm going to say it here again. With the way we have this team now, especially on defense, you've gotten your pieces. But in order to become successful now, these new moves need to be made in free agency now to get this veteran presence. You have these guys for the long haul, but you need to get the veteran presence in there to solidify this roster, especially on the offense, especially, huh, I wonder what positions I'm going to talk about. The offensive line, the defensive back group. That's where you need that veteran presence right then and there. Because while I do want us to draft offensive line and defensive back, those could be very up and down in terms of draft picks. Those could be either really hits or really misses. So, Jeff, you talk about, you know, you made those moves and they didn't really pan out, but – and I'll speak for us. I'd rather see the front office make moves and they not pay sure. off than them not make moves at all. I mean, sure. do you agree with me, Shantice, there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I most definitely agree, man. We've, I mean, we've just been waiting. We just, as Panthers fans, all you do is just sit, there, sit there and wait and watch everybody else pick, make moves in free agency. We just wait. We – we picking the bargain bin again like we did last year, and we just kind of just lay by the wayside and hope our draft picks are hit. And if, they, and if we miss, we're set back another two to three years. And I mean, and this year, like like you said, we have a lot of needs, and you're gonna have to, you're gonna start being more aggressive in free agency and making some plays for guys in free agency because you can't draft every position. Like every position can't be addressed throughout the draft, and sometimes it's better that you go ahead and sign a veteran than, than go ahead and try and trying to than trying to develop a rookie. Because that's where you see the Rams. The, the draft is where you build success in the long term. But fans are impatient. We're real. We are real damn impatient. That's why you know you see. I mean, uh, Gase is a special case because he did a lot to blow up that organization. But two. I mean, he was gone in two years. Other than the Browns organization, that's the quickest I've ever seen a court uh, a coach be fired off the bat. But I mean, we're in, fans are impatient in the NFL. They want success right here, right now. You don't do that in the draft. You do it, and you look at the teams like the Rams or the Chiefs or the 49ers and look at the success they're able to garner. And you look, they were making pickups for guys like Jalen Ramsey, for guys like Yannick Ngaku, for guys like Calais Campbell. And for the Panthers, I, th I feel like Ian posts that posts that meme every year where the, uh, the Squidward is the Panthers and he's watching out the window as SpongeBob and Patrick are the other teams running up getting free agents and he's just sitting there making no moves whatsoever. Because, I mean, what, the biggest free agent we've ever signed is probably, name-wise, probably Jeremy Shockey? Maybe. maybe. Yeah, or, shit, may, honestly, I, Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, but that was towards the end of you know his, his yeah, you yeah, know he was, he, he he was washed, washed at that point. So I mean, like I'd rather I'd rather see a GM that is making moves and they don't pay off than not make moves at all. You know, that's what I want to see that. And so obviously the one move that we're really trying to look at right now is the whatever's going on, the soap opera that is the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, because that is where we are all really wanting to go right now. And if, there's a mean the. Ah. the <laughs> the best because well, I mean we talked about it so and we we've been going back and forth so let's let me clarify he did sign the five year deal at the beginning of the season they then cut they then traded away Deshaun Watson for you know a bag of Doritos oh or excuse me Roger Hopkins they traded him away for a bag of Doritos right <laughs> after that so they just put a knife in his back and so then everything's been going down from there they lost what was it six or seven games within a single single digit score you saw JJ Watt ver like verbally and openly apologized to Deshaun Watson for how bad the team performed this year. So he ha he has a no-trade clause in his contract, but he alone can waive that. The team itself can't waive it, but he can waive it if he wants to be let go. Unfortunately, the most recent thing 
was that he would be willing to do so if he could go to Miami and they would trade him. They would trade Tua and the number three pick back to Houston with maybe a little bit more. And Deshaun, that was the one he would be most open to accept. Hopefully, there's a couple others that he'd be willing to accept. I think in some of the uh, some of the things we had seen, the Bleacher Report put out a couple, you know, um, projections. And the one for us was Teddy Bridgewater, the number eight pick. I think it was the, uh, our second round pick this year and a first round pick next year. I don't. I don't think they want Teddy. I don't know why they would go for that. Tra- I, I like if we could give him if we Look, can give him Davis or Samuel instead and some picks. You know who we have to send. I know. Here's, you know who we have to see. Listen, here's the gist. The only way it's going to happen with us is you're going to give him CMC. You're going to give him a couple draft picks. You cut Teddy. Get rid of Teddy. Uh, I mean, cut him. Or let him be the backup, but, I mean, cut him. Um, but that, 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 and, and, and we'll lead into this conversation a little bit later with who's visiting tomorrow and stuff, I'm sure. But, um, you know, Miami, I just I, – I, I mean – I, you know, all these kind of just blow my mind a little bit, um, you know, and it, it, Houston's just they're they're out of control. I have no idea. But for 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 I would love to see him come to Carolina. I just think you'd have to give up. You got to give up CMC. Well, yeah. quarterback for a running back ain't really that bad. If I if I if I had to say so myself. But Tyler, you go ahead and shoot, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, the, the big thing is with, is going to be the cap hits for both teams. But, you know, it, at some point you got to have to just take it if you're Houston. If, if Watson's not going to play, you, you kind of got to take that loss. It's really unfortunate that you just signed for this major contract and you owe him all this money you're going to be paying him. But sometimes you just got to take the hit, you know. And uh, it's real unfortunate for Casario, who's just coming in, and he didn't do anything wrong, and he's getting all this, you know. He, he just, Sean just was upset with the you know ownership, not seeing his uh, his opinions for what they were, were like they promised but uh you know hopefully you know i probably would bet that watson's back in houston that's probably most likely right now but once i saw that thing about miami this morning uh that kind of you know changed my mind about the whole thing and it would just be kind of ironic to see how you know miami goes from getting all this capital uh from the tunsil trade and then they basically are going to send it all right back to houston um you know if the if the watson was traded. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's going to be a lot more than people think. Um, if there's a trade, a lot of first round picks, multiple first round picks, no matter what, no matter who's involved. Um, but, you know, for us personally, yeah, I mean, you, you got to think CMC is going to be in the deal no matter the, the cap hit because they're going to be facing the cap hit also. Um, and then, yeah, a bunch of first round picks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to happen either way. Shanti, what, what, what's your thought process? If they can get done, get it done. I was, yeah, like, like, like we spoke about earlier, we, we if CMC had to go, look, I've, I've I've made my position known about running backs. I love CMC; he's more than just than just any other running back. But I can I I watched this year; I can replace that production with with multiple different guys for a cheaper price tag. Like I mean, if I gotta keep Mike Davis and Roddy Smith and let those two run like have at it and go with them, I would I would do it. I mean, obviously, with the receiver weapon we would have with Deshaun Watson, it'd be worth it. I can eat that. I can I cannot have CMC and be fine with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson uh, playing alongside uh, Deshaun Watson, assuming that Curtis Samuel won't be able to get a deal done. So I mean, I, it won't happen. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. I mean, we, we know it. We know it won't happen. But it's it but it's, it's it's fun to think about. Our our front office has seemed to move in every opposite direction that we could possibly think of. Anything we want, they'll just okay. Well, no, but yeah, no, nah, but we'll do something else. You know, so we'll. I, I imagine we'll be looking at somebody else we don't want a quarterback. 
No, we, we know it won't happen, and we can talk about it in a second. I think what's going to be either the most 2020 into 2021 thing would be if somehow Bill and the Patriots could figure out a way to swing that to swing that trade and figure out how they would get that. Because they're 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 I've seen there's there's some contents for them. I'm also seeing the the uh, the Washington football team has has had some shown some you know interest. I don't know if they have anything to get that off of the ground. Um, that would be interesting as well. I'm saying, I mean. Uh, Jeff probably like this, but I mean, Ryan Tannehill and Corey Davis and a draft pick for, for Deshaun Watson might not be the worst thing in the world, but I, it'll be interesting to see wherever he goes. And it's funny because there was a meme today because this is what Chadis was talking about. It's what more than likely is going to happen. <laughs> it was uh, it was the fans going, Carolina Panthers fans, col- uh, colon, Mr. Tepper, can we have Deshaun Watson? Mr. Tepper, colon, we have Deshaun Watson at home. Deshaun Watson at home, Dwayne mother loving Haskins. I don't know why, because we're working them out tomorrow. Who knows why? Here's what the Carolina Panthers are on the verge of becoming. They're on the verge of becoming a football team that will have 12 or 13 different quarterbacks in the next four years. If they And as, as I was kind of taking a walk after uh, the Titans game, I'm sitting there thinking in my mind, are you going to be the next Cleveland Browns with this area of mediocrity and you're going to have you know you went from cam to kyle to you know to tail you know will greer taylor was in there you know are you just i mean listen okay we just praised ron rivera for the guy he is and the culture he has done listen i know Dwayne played great ball and tyler might push me back on this he he's, he's a first round pick i believe correct or whatever. Mm-hmm. but if you can't play for ron rivera and you done ticked him off is, is it up here? Is it up here? And listen, if Ron all of a sudden says, I don't want you, and I don't want you on this team, I don't care who you are. Hey, you know, there, there's going to be an issue there. So if you don't get – if you don't figure out your quarterback deal, you're going to land in this land of you'll have Teddy for another year, then you're bringing somebody for, you know, a year, and then you're bringing somebody for a year. Figure it out. But to me, DH ain't the – he ain't the answer. I will say, to, to, to be fair, I mean, I think the Ron Rivera of maybe two seasons ago or three seasons ago would be able to, you know, at least bring Dwayne to some, you know, level of level-headedness. I think this year, you just either, A, he had a lot going on. He had a lot more to deal with than Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Big is what well, I think, I think the, 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 for, the football team organization made him a, a little bit more, you know, realistic and or cynical. Like, look, I just had cancer. I had to deal with all this. I ain't got time for you to not, you know, have your head on straight. I ain't got the time to deal with well, you. So you got to go. It may have very well have been a culture thing and not an athletic thing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Like you said, Jack, that could very well be. And I know Tyler could probably speak on the athletic ability of him. Yeah, um, not a great athlete physically. Like he's not going to be your mobile quarterback at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah. No, like you're saying, you know, first round pick talent was there um, at some point. To you know, somebody, um, you know, what Redskins took him at or fo- football team took him at the 17th pick. Um, but you, you know, I, with you know, with Haskins. It's a, uh, I see it as like a very low risk move right now because right now we got we got Teddy, PJ Walker, Will Greer, and I guess you could count Tommy Stevens too. But um, I, I I even though we, we talk about Teddy all the time, I think he's in a whole another stratosphere compared to Dwayne Haskins. Like if we bring in Dwayne, I don't think he's challenging him for the starting job. Um, definitely not in the near future, but probably never. Um, you know, he's probably right around the talent level of PJ Walker and Will Greer right now. Um, so, you know, bring him in. I just see it as a low risk move. It's probably not going to be much of a contract at all. Uh, so I don't, I won't mind it um, if we do, but I, but you know, 
first problem, first problem that he brings, you know, off the field or in practice that just unneeded, you know, stuff he's got to go because you know he already got he's lucky enough if he's going to get a second shot here and um so he better not you know mess anything up um if we're giving him the second shot and you know even if we do bring him in uh that's i'm like i said it's not going to rule out i don't feel like we won't rule out quarterback at you know pick eight in the first round or at any other point in the draft but you know it's a low risk move and but i think you know the zero tolerance policy with Dwayne um off the field or anything extra look um you know this has been something that's been getting thrown around as far as like Panthers Twitter and stuff for the last few weeks. And it's been the work culture and everybody keeps talking about this culture that Matt rule is building. But I'm telling you from the moves on the outside looking in when we, when he first got there, he said, quote, I can't wait to work with Cam and Cam's released the next month. And now you brought in Teddy. This is the guy you wanted. And now he's about to get the boot after one season. Now I'm not look. I'm all for giving Teddy the boot because he played awful this, this year, but I'm saying the president you're setting as far as the culture, now you want to bring in a kid that went to a strip club before his first before his first start back after he already got benched with a coach that just had cancer during a pandemic. I'm telling you, I don't know what culture they're trying to build. Oh, really, how do you assume you've built a better culture than the guy before you? Because the guy before you had things more in check than what you've handled so far in your first year. And I just I just start to wonder like what type of president is he really setting? For this culture that we're supposed to be building moving forward, it is it just it, it's got to be a it's got to be a level of consistency. For what it's worth, well, I didn't like everything Ron did, but Ron was consistent. Whatever he did, he did it fully, and he never and never wavered. This guy, you can't make a sign. You can't say this is your quarterback, and then move off of him. That's a, that that that's the one position you can't just oh well. Eh, I don't know if I feel you anymore. You can do that every other position. Quarterback that looks away to everybody else, at least on your roster. And, and to the league when they when they, as far as when they consider Carolina's being a place where they want to play next. And that's what I was, was confused about with Haskins in the first place. The fact that he was even playing after all that, that the fact that Ron even like uh, that Ron, I, I was surprised he even let him play because we all know Ron. Ron does not put that up with that kind of stuff. The, and this is what gets me. If you look at Tepper, Tepper said, you know, he's, he's he's been very outspoken about being this businessman, being efficient, you know, wanting to win, wanting to compete, wanting to get right off the bat, and wanting to have a Super Bowl team in Carolina in the next decade. That's he's been very adamant about that. You are telling me right now with some of these moves if you actually physically believe that or not or if you want to do that. Because if you look at this division right now, it's on the wires. Drew Brees is more than likely playing his last playoff run. It's on the wires. Julio Jones and Matt Ryan are on the trading block in Atlanta. We don't, Lord knows how long Brady has and how long that experiment has in Tampa Bay. If you want to take the division by storm, if you want to win the division for the next three years – these next two years is where you do so. You can become a dominant force in this division within the next two years because of how much these teams are changing. Look at the Saints are not they're up they're up eleven points on these Bears right now. You can say whatever you want about the Bears, but that's the Saints yeah. week in and win out are not week in and week out are not always a dominant team unless they're you know playing mm-hmm. us. The Falcons we know I mean they're somehow still worse than us. They had a better season than us. And yet, somehow, still a worse season than us. That just is the Falcons right there. And the Bucks, are, the Bucks are playing that short ball. They're playing that short-term success, going all in, trying to win the Super Bowl this year. If it doesn't work out, they're screwed. So, if you want to do, you want to make the moves to become to, to win the division year in and year out, then you don't do things like bringing in Dwayne Haskins and creating what you just said this this revolving door of, of quarterback. That's what this culture is becoming right now. If they, if you're making this president, it's becoming a revolving yeah. door of players and coaches. If you're going to get this inconsistent, that's and the 
you know, and listen, Matt Rule's a college coach. He's been a college coach. He's used to that revolving door. That's true. Well, yeah. Right. And that's and that's the gist. You're used to having a quarterback for two years. You can you bring in a junior, he plays junior, senior year, next thing you know, he's gone. Uh-oh. Bring in a new one, junior, senior, gone. He's got to figure out, hey, this is the NFL. I gotta I gotta get this straight and I gotta get it straight now because the teams that have been successful in the NFL have had their quarterbacks for five or six to ten years. You can't have this revolving quarterback deal. And I mean, we can go through the list. I mean, you know, and finally, thank God the Browns finally, you know, they found one you know, in Baker Mayfield. Um, and well, at least that's the way it looks right now after they win tonight. Um, but, you know, you know what I'm getting at, though? I mean, when you talk about Big Ben and you talk about Drew and you talk about Aaron Rodgers and you talk about um, – uh, who else am I forgetting? I'm sure there's oh, no, Look at the Packers. Look at how – I mean, you've had – when you talk about quarterbacks and how they've been able to handle themselves, they've gone from – they've had, what, two quarterbacks in the last 20 years, I think, right. maybe? I mean, and they went straight – they went from Favre right at the gate to Rodgers, and then whatever's more than likely going to happen is whenever Rodgers retires in the next five years, boom, Jordan Love's going to be right behind him, and we don't know how he's going to be. But, I mean, that's how they're working to do it. And so Ty, Jeff kind of hit the nail on the head, and Tyler, is that kind of the Achilles – you know, heel for college quarterbacks right off the bat where they're used to this uptake, you know, this rotating, you know, they got talent coming in this year. They lost all their seniors. Boom. A new class is coming in where you don't really get that in the NFL in the NFL. You know, you have to work a lot harder to get this talent to come back in. You don't lose it as consistently, but you also don't gain as much talent consistently. Is that, is that, right. you know, an issue? In? Yeah. You know, that's a tough question for a lot of these teams that are trying to, you know, rebuild when they have these early picks, you know, what do you want first? Do you want, um, you want to build the team around the quarterback first and, you know, have a great, you know, you know, surrounding supporting cast, kind of like the, what the Browns did. They passed up on Deshaun Watson. They passed up on a Patrick Mahomes, got Miles Garrett and waited for uh, Baker Mayfield. You could do that or you, you know, take it, you know, the Browns knew they were going to be bad, but you, you got to take a quarterback when you're in that spot. So, you know, it's always a question is it's not going to be easily, tr- uh, you know, translation from college to the NFL, no matter where you're going, unless you're Justin Herbert or someone like that. But, you know, so it's, it's, it's a tough question. And the thing is, it's always, it's so tough to find quarterback uh, talent in the league. Um, it's so, it's so hard to find someone that can, you know, really, you know, be a, you know, the face of your team for 10 years. So I think, you know, that's, that's what we're in the process of doing right now. And uh, it's, it's going to be crucial because if we do, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have success and we're going to make a push for the Super Bowl. And if we don't, if we miss on a quarterback, that's going to set us back big time and we're going to be paying for it. I was going to say, Tyler, how, so how important are you, like for, for you, especially going into the draft, is it more important for you? Like if we think we're going to get a quarterback before the draft to get that quarterback cemented now, so we know what we can do going into the draft. I mean, how much is going to hurt us if we go into the draft with all that, all that's still up in the air? Uh, Yeah. I think if, you know, if it were me, like, and I'm, and I'm the Panthers right now, I think that, you know, we don't know how good we, you know, we were a couple, you know, a couple points, a couple plays from winning a couple more games this year and picking, you know, middle of the draft. So that could easily happen again next year. So if I'm looking at the front office now, especially like we've talked about a new GM coming in, you don't know if you're going to be picking eighth overall and, you know, maybe having a chance to trade up for a quarterback. Um, I, I mean, once I get more of a firm opinion on these quarterbacks, we'll see. But if they like a quarterback, if they if they like a guy and we can have the ability to draft him, I think you got to do it. you, you got to do it because you don't know when you'll have a chance to get another guy you like, and you don't know if there'll be ever again a guy that you like as much as, you know, whoever it may be. And, and it brings to the point of Joe Brady. I mean, if you've got a guy who's done college ball and you bring in this young kid, have at it. I mean, give him a chance to work with the kid for two or three years. You can't 
keep rotating all this around and be and not be the middle of the pack or, or, or less. You're going to get into that, like I said, that Cleveland Brown era, and you don't want to be the person with the jersey that has 15 names on the back of the quarterbacks. Um, and and, and just to, you know, you, Jack, you mentioned it earlier, and I'll go back to you know back in the day or whatever. You can find your quarterbacks in the later rounds. We know that. But back when the Tennessee Titans had their run with Steve McNair and Eddie Jordan and stuff like that, they went five years in a row where they drafted an offensive lineman. Five years in a row. Mike Munchak, Bruce Matthews, and the list goes on and on. Kevin, I mean, it wasn't Kevin Dalton, but um, but it was five, it was five linemen over the first pick, five years in a row. And they had that offensive line that Eddie George ran behind. I mean, happiest five years of my life. You know, I mean, it, I mean, it, I hate to say it, but you know. Go get yourself a quarterback, but make sure you're, you're building that offensive line around him. Because um, I don't care who you got, whether it's Cam Newton, Sean Walton, whatever. Nobody's going to survive behind a line that can't can't protect him. I mean, Deshaun Watson's pretty much the only one that would. I know. He was doing. You got it. Well, I'm just continue on the on the cap situation. I, I'm not sure what I think. I know we're in a better spot this year because of the moves we made. Like we got we got rid of. I thought I thought we dumped some pieces off, and that and that's ended up. We we had to eat it this year. This year we had to eat it, but I, but I, nah, I could be wrong. But I thought we were in a better position going into this offseason to make more free agent moves, and that may be where you have to go as far as offensive line. I mean, you may have to, you may have to go spend, go fork some money out. I'm, I'm, I, I'd rather go, I'd rather go buy the offensive line and go draft the quarterback. I'm not gonna lie. I'm okay with that. I mean, because that is like, like in a couple of mock drafts, I was seeing they were having us pick like a cornerback at eight or like a line. Like, uh, if we're picking cornerbacks at eight, I would be highly upset. I just think, I mean, like, you just got to make, you, like I said, you got to get that veteran presence somewhere. It's going to have to be done in free agency because unless you're trying, I mean, with just the wind, I don't think the window's, you know, still that small, but you have, it has like a window, but you have the opportunity, like I said, to jump from yeah. third to, to first in this division. A very real opportunity to do that, especially if everything, you know, that's been rumored ends up, you know, coming to light. So if you want to go do that, you can't wait for the draft to do that. Even if you do draft seven offensive linemen, now you can go the Titans or you know the Colts or Cowboys route and draft a lineman every year the way they did, and that's worked out fairly well for the most part. I mean, you know, once they yeah. if if they had you know the quarterbacks that worked out a little bit better. Not saying Andrew Luck and Prescott didn't work out, but we all know what's happening with them. Yeah, but. You know, they, I mean, they year in and year out have multiple all pro first team offensive linemen and you're, you know, in your guys that are on that line. So if we can do something like that, I'd be so happy. It's just, there's a lot that could go on. Like we said, we were, we were given a very, we were, we were generously given a very awesome, you know, interesting uh, offseason last year to start this podcast. And I mean, this year could be just, it could, it could be just as wild. With you know front office moves, with free agency moves, and we're going into the draft. So, y'all, we're gonna keep bringing you content week in a week out. We'll probably take a break at some point. We got we got to take a break too. You know, they the, the NFL gets their off season. We need an off season too, but won't be as long. But until then, y'all, just stay updated week to week. We'll keep posting every week to give y'all new content and let y'all know what we're gonna be doing. And just you know, keep keep tuning in and keep pounding.